Welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, Dr. Freaking Aaron Wiseman. You know, the colleague in medicine, the coach in life, the podcaster, the life coach, the all-around badass who loves, loves, loves creating tribe with other badasses. So I'm so glad that you're here with me today. I'm talking today with Dr. Tanya Kaler, specifically around early career burnout prevention, but we jump into the topics of acknowledging that we are not broken, that we must recognize our worth, and that there is no arriving. Mm, Such good things to talk about. Well, we'll get into this conversation, but stick around afterwards for my fun kick of encouragement. I think you're going to like this one. All right, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, my friend, fellow coach, and PCA member, Dr. Tanya Kaler. It's so great to have you on here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be able to be on the podcast with you. I know. And I love the magic of the internet that you can be in Alaska and I can be in Indiana and we can get together and do this. Right. Time zones mean nothing. (laughs) Not to Zoom anyway. Well, tell the people out in podcasting world a little bit about yourself and the magic you're putting out into the world. Well, I'm a family physician. I worked in practice in Florida for about eight years and followed my husband to the great state of Alaska, even prior to all of the reality shows. I've been up here about 13 years and about eight of those years were spent in academics at the residency program here, which I absolutely loved and absolutely burned out (laughs) trying to wear all the hats perfectly. And for the last five years have been on-call faculty for them, but also mainly working in the private community at a small private practice ambulatory care center, the uh, husband and wife own. And in the past year, I have undergone my coaching journey. So not only receiving coaching and um, becoming a certified coach, but also coaching mainly residents and early career people, because I'm very passionate that they prevent burnout. Oh my God, Florida to Alaska? I did not know that about you. That's insane, (laughs) but I love it. That is like a reality TV show. I'm a really good wife. That's right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I, I love your story and who you serve because like we were talking, you did not have early career burnout. Like that was not your story. You know, it was more mid career, but yet those are the people that you love to serve is residents who are still in training and those that are about five years out from that. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that today a little bit. That's your words early career burnout prevention. Tell me from your perspective, how is resident wellness? Oh, goodness. You know, I think it varies. I think it varies with what uh, year you're in, what program you're in what time of year you're in. We're in October in Alaska. This is a really tough time for residents in Alaska. And I think it differs between individual and individual. So overall, I think there's a lot of room for improvement in resident wellness. Hell yes. Hell yes, there is. And so what are you trying to do to help with resident burnout prevention? Really, you know, Erin, I really want residents and early career physicians to recognize their worth. So many of them have put so much blood, sweat, tears, time, 
you know, money into their dream career. And I have watched over the last few years from social media and even articles coming out about how many early career physicians want out of medicine altogether. And I really want to help them learn their worth and their value and how they can enjoy the career they've chosen. Yeah. And that you have choice. Like You don't just have to like get through. I know that it feels like in training that you have no power and you're not the keeper of the keys and that it is awful, but there is choice in that. There, there are things that residents could do. And I, I'm really passionate about empowering them to see that. And I know that is going a little bit against the culture, especially where I'm at in the Midwest about giving residents voice and autonomy and being willing to make shifts and changes. But I think that's so important moving forward because we're not helping them see that like there's nothing special that happens at graduation day when they hand you your certificate of completion that changes you that I was like, oh, now flip the switch. Yeah. And I think um, expectations are such, you know, this whole delayed gratification that we do, right? When I get to medical school, when I get to residency, when I get out, like we keep waiting for you know, that whole arrival, um, you know, announcement, and we really feel and um, embrace it. And because we keep delaying it, we really never um, really live into who we are. And so I really think that there are more and more residencies who are giving residents a voice. And I really appreciate that. And almost every residency that I know of is really working on their wellness program. I think there's a bit of a mismatch sometimes. I think what resonates here when some mandated wellness things come down is that they are broken and that they need to be, they need to suck it up and figure out how to help themselves to be able to endure the process. And I don't think that the vast majority of residency programs are trying to convey that. So there's a mismatch in what's trying to be conveyed and what's being received sometimes. So I like to kind of help them navigate those waters as well. Yeah, because there is no arriving. Like we have to get that message out to them. Like there is no arriving. Like don't skip your kids' stuff. Don't skip doctor's appointments. Don't put it off. You need to just do it now. There is no arriving. There is none of that. And I think that is so important. I felt like that as a resident. Like if I needed to utilize the wellness service, it was because I was broken. Or if I couldn't hack X amount of hours in my duty hours. It was because something was wrong with me and I was broken. And so I think that is the underlying current, the hidden curriculum that is still perpetuating through the culture of like, we got to make you guys tougher. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Like your worth is um, based on uh, how many hours of call you can take and still drive home, right? (laughs) But I think that's starting to change. I'm really looking forward to some of these new things. But what I want the residents to know is that as residency programs figure out how to do this wellness thing right, and as people who are systems thinkers fix the system, those are slow processes. And if you're already in residency, you may not get all the benefit from that now. So how can we take what you do have control over now to start to integrate work in life? to start to actually not only like survive the process, but actually find joy in the process, right? 
I think that's so important. And that's such a good message that I even need to hear because I'm like a let's change it now. But like we don't have to like burn it down. It doesn't need to be anarchy to let residents have more of a say within their education and their programming. Because you're right. There are programs around the country who I feel like are moving things the good direction. And it's not like the monkeys are running the circus. It's actually a very healthy work environment and a very great change in culture. Yeah. No, it's true. Even it's not like ours here several years ago, probably back in 2008, we took the residents' ideas of they wanted to have a half day of didactics. So they weren't all trying to come in late to noon lecture and have to leave early. And so we created that forum. And what's really amazing is watching the responsiveness to the same program now. They're wanting to go back to a noon lecture and they're making it happen. So they're responsive. And you know what? There's no right or wrong way to do it. But I think the fact that there are residency programs who listen to the voice of their residents and what's needed, I think that's super encouraging. And I think there's going to be a trickle effect out to other specialties and other parts of the country. Yeah, I think it's the key thing that you said on the listening. Because yeah. when when someone, be it a resident or physician or the custodian, when they don't feel heard in their workplace, they can't have job fulfillment. Because if you're not heard, then you're not seen, and then you're not understood. Right. And then that just breaks down the relationship. Absolutely. For sure. Have you noticed any trends lately as you've been coaching or just popping up in your life with resident wellness, early career wellness? Yeah. You know, the surprising thing to me is that I think residents these days get a, a bad rap sometimes. They get you know, called that they're very self-focused and they don't care about the bigger system. And when I'm coaching, that's not what I'm seeing. And even our early career, like in the last few weeks, I've had four different clients that I had to actually coach them not to feel guilty for taking vacation. So they care, like one of them specifically was so worried about how that person's absence was going to affect the whole structure and worried about the colleagues that were going to have to take extra, you know, call and how their patients were going to be taking care and just worried about the system. And for her to get to experience and actually believe once we finish coaching that she is going to be so much more effective as a physician and as a colleague, when she comes back, having had refueled her tank, right? And that there's no reason to feel guilty because she doesn't feel badly when her colleagues take vacation, right? So kind of, I think just giving them permission to enjoy some self-care and some time off and there's no guilt there. And that's how we sustain this fabulous career we've chosen. And I think that's so important too, to unpack all of that. Because there's so many times where I see people just like ramming their head and like they come to me as a coach to get permission to take the time off or to do whatever. But, you know, really unpacking that and to see like, why is it that you're feeling guilty with no judgment, with no trying to, you know, really nail it down. But it's because of her sense of duty. Yeah. Well, and to see too, like she surrounded herself with good people, like your employer doesn't give you vacation days so you don't take them. Right. Like they're there for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I think, um, you know, on the self-care spectrum, like those vacations are very rejuvenating. And I think also we need to help residents and early career people be okay with some daily tune-ups, right? Like whether it's a walk outside, whether it's playing some music or, you know, (laughs) bringing out your flute or, you know, whatever it is that rejuvenates you, medicine and the way that we've created it, we've kind of, especially during training and early career, like all those things can happen later. Right now, you've just got to go, 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 go. And it's not sustainable. Well, I don't feel like anybody until I got into the coaching space really taught me how to rest and recover. And I think that's really important. I talk about white space a lot in my Burnt Out to Badass course. Whoever fucking got us white space? Like there was not, it was like either working or sleeping. And so white space to me is purely time to do something out of enjoyment, to not have a purpose of productivity out of it, but simply to just be. And I think you're right. We all need daily doses of that. Sometimes we need larger doses of a vacation. And that's where I call out to people like, If you're going on vacation to catch up on charts or to like do the home improvement that you've been putting off or like using vacation days to see a dying relative, we need to have a talk because those vacation days really should be about for you and for you. And those other things, we need to make space for that in your life in other ways because they are essential important. They shouldn't be tucked around the edges. Absolutely. I would say that my husband his way of rejuvenating is swinging a hammer so he can do all the self-improvement he wants to on his vacation (laughs) for our home. Well, and that's a good thing to point out. Yeah. But I was early career. I would take vacations so that I could deep clean the house or I could do the other things. And what I realize now is no, like delegate, ask for help on those things. It's okay to do those things, but it's not okay if you never have that space for yourself. If you are doing things because it's like, I'm just trying to catch up. I don't know about you, but I talk to so many people who take sick days or vacation days to get their charting caught up on. Yeah. And I'm just like, that is like warning flares going off right there. No, no, no. You're in survival mode right now, my friend. Exactly. And you know, I think that's one of the things that I really like to work, especially with residents on is kind of time management and efficiency and letting go of perfectionism so they don't have to do notes at home every day, right? Leave the office at a reasonable hour and don't have to work on notes from home. That is so freeing. And so I can't even imagine having to use a day off or a vacation day to work on notes, right? Because you have to have that time away from work. Whenever someone comes to me with that problem, I always ask them the question is, what is the purpose of your note? And you're like, we tie so much purpose into it. Like it's supposed to be our journal and like representation of how good of a doctor we are. But really the only thing that what a note is, is to display what was said, your physical exam, your mental processes, and what you plan to do for that patient. Right. So it doesn't need to be a novel. It doesn't need to be the greatest work that you've ever accomplished. But I have so many people and I was even in that trap at times. I made it be all about like who I am as a physician and the value I bring for that patient. They don't care. They're looking for their keywords. They need their keywords. And you know what? You'll learn those as time goes over because you'll get notes saying, hey, you forgot to say this. (laughs) Oh, okay. I mean, you don't even have to be uptight about it. You've got people that are going to help you get that part down. But like, I think perfectionism and the, the, like you said, tying your self-worth 
being able to prove that you're an amazing doctor to any specialist and any lawyer and everyone who reads it will think, wow, this physician is amazing. We need to take that down a few notches. Just like what happened? What are you thinking? What's the next steps, right? Yeah, I think that's important, especially for us from family medicine, because we do kind of have at times the complex of jack of all trades, queen of none. And that I think is so important to teach our residents to be like, no, like family medicine is a specialty in and of itself. You get to stay on the same playing field as everyone else. You have nothing else to prove. Like if you're sending someone to a specialist, it's because you have a specific question that you want answered. That's what I always tell my residents is like, what are you wanting them to know? And if something you can figure out and you're just sending them to a specialist to feel better, well, then just tell them you want a second opinion. Don't bullshit them. And I think that's where we've started to bullshit ourselves again, because we feel guilty or we feel these other feelings and no one's ever like verbally said them out loud. So I'm so glad that you're doing the trainees in Alaska and talking to them about all of this. For someone who's sitting back and listening to our conversation, hopefully it's been super impactful today. What would you want them to walk away from our conversation doing? I think a couple of things. Number one, I want them to know they are not broken. Residency and early career is hard. And I want them to reach out because there are physician coaches, you know, all over. And I actually don't work. I don't actually coach with the residents here because there's a conflict of interest, but there are coaches all around the country that can help. You can reach out to some mentors and just kind of broach those conversations because I think we've got to let go of perfectionism and we've got to get rid of the self-doubt and talk. Oh, that is so prevalent. And those are two areas. And then just embracing self-care, even if it's just leaving the hospital doors for five minutes to breathe in the air outside, right? Absolutely. And I will post all of your information about if people want to hang out with you at joinfamilymedicine.com. You know, if you're listening to the conversations with, with me, with Tanya, and we don't quite jive for you. There are so many other people in the space that I would encourage you to reach out. Physician Coaching Alliance is a great place to go see a smattering of physician colleagues who are doing coaching in a whole bunch of different topics, all the way from like us with burnout, burnout prevention, to sex coaching, to parenting coaching, to just all sorts of amazing coaching areas that I fully endorse that. And the other place too is to remember like, Coaching is one tool in the tool belt. And so if there are other needs that you need, maybe you're having stress around finances or legality stuff, or maybe you are feeling like "Mm, maybe more mental health type stuff, there are so many resources. So I think that is so applicable to reach out. You know, one of the areas that you mentioned was self-doubt. I think the antidote to self-doubt is self-compassion. And that was something definitely not taught until I got into it myself. But just reminding yourself like, hey, I am a badass. Like when that self-doubt creeps in, be like, no, 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 I got this. And having compassion for ourselves to being like, maybe I don't understand it 100% now, but I will. Yeah. So I think we are so self-critical and we have a really hard time with self-compassion. And in family medicine, we're supposed to know everything, right? cradle to grave, inpatient, outpatient, all of it. And I actually have coached just in the last couple of weeks about 
Heck, I look up stuff almost every single day. I've been out 21 years. It's okay. That's normal, right? I know who to call for help. It's normal. And just normalizing the fact that you're not going to know it all and getting rid of that inner critic. Do you know Dr. Jennifer Hunt? Mm -hmm. She has this amazing exercise where she has her clients like write down all the things they say to themselves on a daily basis. Like, oh my gosh, you're so stupid. I can't believe you got in. I can't believe you don't know how to take care of this. They're going to, they're judging you. Write it all down. And then take a picture of your niece, nephew, child, or you as a child and speak those things out loud to that picture. And like, how does that feel? And why would you never do that? And then why do you allow yourself to do that to yourself? Mm-hmm. That's so powerful because it's so true. Like, yeah. we've got to start cheating ourselves like our best friends and our children. Yeah. Really? Well, Dr. Tanya Kaler, it is so great to have you on here. I'm so excited, like I said, to be hanging with you in PCA, to have you in my colleague network, and just to have this great heartfelt conversation today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Guys, doors are opening soon for my next Burnt Out to Badass group. I'm so excited. And did you know that the group is now lifelong? So if you join now, you get to stay in it forever, or at least until you decide when to leave. So this group consists of female physicians and other women in high-performing professional careers who are ready to tell burnout to suck it and ready to reclaim that inner badass that they are. The class provides weekly support as we work through the Burnt Out to Badass course curriculum, in addition to a whole bunch of other fun stuff. I mean, we mingle, we build community, we talk, we answer questions, you get lots of fun bonus material, merchandise. I mean, come on. And did I forget to mention lifelong membership? I would love to invite you into it. I think it's a great opportunity to get everything that you need in one place and a little Aaron Wiseman sass with that as well. So think about it. Get in here. Join us in the Burnt Out to Badass group. Link is in the show notes. Don't put it off anymore. All right. For our kick of encouragement today, I want to encourage you that you have permission. And with that, I want to read you one of my favorite poems. You guys know I'm kind of a poem geek. So this is Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family 
of things. So there you go. You don't have to be good. You don't have to self-flog yourself in repentance. Let that soft, wild animal inside of you love what it really loves. And as always, my friends, remember, your life, your calling, your pulse. Your pulse.